Welcome to the Financial Independence Europe podcast, where we interview people from all 44 European countries, all of them, about optimizing your life, geo-arbitrage, and making the most of your money. This was your hosts, Alvar, Erminta, and Matthias. Hello to another episode of the Financial Independence Europe Retreat. Today we record and also we talk in another Community Friday, uh, together with Michael and Alva. People, hey, say hey. Yo. Hey, how are you? Awesome. What's our topic today? It's something you might uh, already, you could rely to. It's how to be financially independent as an employee and self-employed. So what is different uh, in the past? What possibilities do you have as self-employed? What possibilities as an employee? How is it different? And so you might want to swap your role and move from employee to self-employed and the other way around. Uh, in the beginning, I would say, what is uh, just the definition? What is an employee? Somebody who's who's working as an employee for, for a company and is getting a monthly salary, no matter what. So at least, okay, there's a contract and there's exactly the definition of what's getting, what, what they're going to be paid. And there are also a pension system and so on. All that we, we come to this later and self-employed is somebody who can pick client, somebody who has no security of a, of a contract normally, somebody who is also in, in terms of the system, it's called freelance and self-employed and it's text like that. So different rules apply to a freelancer. Ivor, would you say that is uh, correct explained? Definitely agree. And I also think it's worth adding um, in terms of the path to five. I think it would be probably be good kind of like cover the two in terms of periods, in terms of what you can roughly earn, uh, use each other as uh, examples for that. Maybe let's just go all the way back to zero and I kind of have a straight away question for you for then, Matthias. Say you've got your target number in mind in terms of getting to five and with your current job roughly how long would it take you to get there like is it like 10 15 years like 25 to 30 bring it on it depends on what i do and how much money i spend i calculate 10 years uh, conservative um takes me to to go fi but uh, i would say that normal employee as an employee you you kind of have an uh, fi number you save in etfs and then you're done somehow or you could for example, 600, 800,000, depends where you live. You, you want to save that amount of money and then you want to withdraw um, to, to take out money uh, from that amount. I think what most freelance people do is um, to think in cash flow instead of uh, FI number, but uh, Michael could correct me uh, later on. So I would like to move from that FI number that's kind of absolute to, to a cash flow perspective. Because I think it's more flexible in the end and um, it's more natural because you, you, you just see how much cash flow you have already. And then you go to the next month and you try to improve, improve the cash flow. And from the psychology kind of view, uh, it's for me, it's much better. It actually sounds like you should be a freelancer. Uh, maybe, maybe thinking of it. Um, but of course, my parents are both employees, so not too easy. And also I have a it's not too bad for me as an employee working in tech. I earn a salary. I have two kids, so there are also some. There's some security also needed. I have holiday, vacation, uh, health insurance, sick leave, breaks. Yeah, they they do. Uh, the government has a lot of rules that uh, makes life as an employee also convenient. You know, <laughs> and uh, yeah, but of course I could also do freelance. So I'm looking into it, but uh, yeah, not right now. 
Also, after that, the, the essence of um, getting to FI, saving a certain amount a month, investing it into an ETF, ETF, going from there, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. Even on a really good salary in Europe, you know, you're not going to be able to save seven, eight grand a month if you're lucky two. If you save two a year, 24 or, well, two a month, 24 a year, and rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, it's still going to take you decades to get anywhere near close to reasonable fine numbers and now i'm actually curious you know that's kind of like how you do it as an employee and if we then think from the cash flow perspective maybe michael you can comment on that i'm wondering can you do it way faster as a freelancer than as an employee getting to fine if you're good you can i think so i think the key to freelancing is that you're not looking to sell your time you're looking to make money through your expertise and that's certainly been my journey in freelancing so i've been freelancing for about 15 years and in the early days, I would literally sell my time. So I might charge 20 euros an hour. But as I've got better and better and faster and more efficient, I've been able to scale that and charge my clients a lot more, but also provide more value for them. And that's been kind of the key for me having extra money. Now, I did, I did a calculation. I save about 3,000 euros a month into my investment portfolio. And I did the calculation that I would need to do that for 11 years if I was going to have a chance to get to my fine number. Now, in saying that, I could probably do that in five years if I wanted to, right? So I don't work that hard as a freelance web developer. I only try to do four hours a day. But if I actually pushed myself harder to eight or 12 hours a day, I could easily, easily get there much sooner. So I have that ability to do that if I want. And I think that's quite a nice thing when it comes to freelancing. I like that one, because when we claim as employees to have a good, stable lifestyle, Matthias already mentioned it the breaks, the holiday, the sick leave, um, UK case, Ireland, also the pension match of five, six-ish percent, um, having that ability. It's nice, it gives stability, but as a freelancer, I mean, good call, you can literally just decide yourself, I'm happy to slow it down and work four hours a day. And does it mean you work four hours five days a week or does it mean every single day? So yeah, good question. I actually got rid of the nine to five mentality. So I actually try to work six days a week. I like to do a couple of hours on a Sunday afternoon when things are quiet, but I no longer look at my day as a nine to five. I kind of take each day on its, on its merit. And I don't even factor in anymore what days I'm taking off or whatever. I kind of look at it on a monthly basis and I basically break it down to how much I want to earn per month. So I'm kind of back to a little bit more full swing this month. So my target number this month is 9,000 euros. And so I've got to work a little bit harder than I normally would, but I know that I want to try and push a little bit more into my investment pot for September. Awesome. And I, I would like to add that, I mean, you could do, you could be an employee, but you could also still um, be a freelancer on the side. Um, for example, you work like three um, or four days as an employee to get your basic um, needs covered, to get the insurance, the health insurance, and then you could also do freelance. So it's not white or black um, you can also do something in the middle if you want to and um, also if you're not really good as <laughs> as an employee sometimes if there's a recession for example um, it's a freelancer will be i would say the first uh, who will be laid off at least in germany or central europe so that's also to consider yeah i'm going to challenge that one though i am going to challenge that one of course so i have about nine or ten clients right, that I would consistently get work from, and they would are what I would call lifetime clients. So it's very unlikely that I will lose them unless they go out of business. Now, in my situation, if I lose one or two clients, say there's a recession and they do go out of business, then I've still got seven or eight clients to pick up from. 
Whereas if you're an employee and you lose that job, it might take you three months to find another job. So it's very much, I, I think it's very much what you're comfortable with. And I think freelancing can seem scary at first, but once you actually get into it, I feel like I have more security than if I was just working for one company. I, I would like to challenge that because in Germany you get unemployed money and unemployed money means that you get at one or two years, yeah, just, just 60% of your, of your salary. So if you would say two clients, you, you lose two clients or three clients, it's the same as you would uh, lose a part of your Uh, of your salary and you're just being an unemployed and you can uh, apply for a new job and also do other things you want to do. So, yeah, that's, that's great. If you're in Germany, uh, we, we get nothing like that in Ireland. We might get a measly 200 euros a week if you're lucky. Um, and to be fair, even if I would lose 60% of my income, that would be pretty devastating in our family. So I think from that, that point of view, it, it's, it's much of a muchness. Wow, we even get 200 euros. In the UK, I believe, we're getting literally 70 pounds a week. And effectively, literally zero and nothing. Anyway, um, I do kind of like find that comparison interesting that, you know, Matthias mentioning in Germany, you get 60% if you would get to unemployed Ireland, 200 euro-ish um, a week. Uh, the Netherlands is, I believe, also roughly around the 70% of your salary range for based on how long you've worked in the past and having that available is just nuts because like kind of like if we think about that why in the end um do we or uh, i or others decide to be an employee i like being an employee because i have stability it is simple i'm there i do the job i go home and that's it i am definitely not able to save three thousand euros a month in an investment portfolio which would be truly insane if i would be able to do that so just thinking about that wait if i could do that i would be able to get a fine like years and years sooner um at the same time the stress that would come with i, I also always kind of feel like freelancers they're highly competitive they're really the best at what they're doing and you have to because you're really judged on what you're doing on the spot there what you deliver as an employee as well but it's less competitive less threatening uh, and at the same time you can also make the argument If you're challenged to your truest, uh, fullest potential as a freelancer, make more money like that doesn't make you that a better, fuller human being and really use your fullest uh, capabilities. One thing I'm actually wondering about, Michael, in terms of actually finding those clients, do you lose much time on that or is that quite limited? It's it's taken me a lifetime to get them. So not really, not, not anymore. Uh, but LinkedIn's your best tool as a freelancer, I think. So I've had some amazing clients reach out to me on LinkedIn. So I've had to do no chasing. Um, there might be a little bit of follow-up back and forward, but I, I, I kind of want to go back to your previous point, Elva. And I think for me, I don't feel like I'm employable, right? Like I had a job for three months and I had to walk away because I couldn't, I just couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle all the meetings and I just, I, I couldn't be restricted. I, I kind of felt like I was being tied into a box, so to speak. So I think from that point of view, I think exactly as you said, Elvi, you know, you like it. You, it suits you. If you can go and do it, great. For me, it's a case where I generally feel like I just, I just can't, I just can't do it. I'm not employable. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I mean, it's also for a developer, it's more convenient to be a freelancer than let's say for somebody who reads the number on your, on your heating. Because you you just earn more, you you are in demand, and yeah, that's that's maybe it. And what I also would like to add, you mentioned that you cannot make three uh, thousand euros and save that into an investment portfolio. I think it's possible if you move um, later on in your career, moving to a leadership role, and you're making like 120, 130 k 
uh, you you can you can still um, save a lot of money without being uh, a freelancer. That most definitely, but I think getting to those income levels as an employee requires an enormous investment into your career and willingness to work those 60, 70 hour work weeks um, and go really, really hard on the actual days you're there, which for some people is totally fine. I prefer uh, more to combine it to, to still definitely invest in a career, uh, but not go all out full in, um, but at the same time combine it with, I'm also a freelancer myself, so have a freelance uh, portion going on the side and have my main job for stability purposes in terms of income and also now in terms of actually having colleagues, having people to talk to on a daily basis, go over, have a chat, um, combine the two with each other. For me, that makes for the fullest work-life um, balance, but obviously everybody different. But guys, any fire slash thoughts on that? Uh, for me, it would be really interesting uh, because I have so many um, interests. Um, so I'm so it's, there's a lot of curiosity in, in different fields. So I really like to do some side projects, and uh, I also like my main job. And for me, it would be good, best. But other people who just who aim for more simplicity in life, who maybe have health issues, they want to go like for a three-day work week and just live a minimal lifestyle, uh, avoid waste, avoid spending too much and, and, and just enjoy the nature or something like that. So it really depends on, on your lifestyle. And I mean, if you need status symbols, you have to work hard to afford it or get a loan. <laughs> so that's really a lifestyle decision. I would say there's opportunity to, to design that, yeah, to, to do different paths, to combine different uh, methods. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can probably answer your question, Alva, with an example. So I had a friend in New Zealand that was a policeman, and that was his that was his full time job, and he started a business selling protein online. He is now a millionaire because his protein business took off, right? So his side project did amazing, and he was able to leave. He was able to leave the police force, and now pretty much sits back and watches watches his protein sell almost automatically. So for me. And I could probably ask you this, Alva, you probably have a side project because your hope is that that side project will one day take you out of employment. Would I be correct? Uh, up to a certain extent, not necessarily taking me out of employment, but simply giving me the option to do so if I would wish to. But it's at the same time, I feel that side project, uh, although my side projects combined probably take more hours than my actual main job. But where it's about is that those side projects um, they fulfill me in ways my main job never could the entrepreneurial uh, part of it as well, and also the academic side in from so many different aspects. So I like for me it's the perfect combination. I mean, obviously I earn far more with freelance than I do at my main job, but even then I don't mind being at my main job because it gives me the simplicity, it gives me the colleagues, and that's just also nice to to have and a bit of structure um on a daily basis so yeah look, for me the combination combined is the best way of going for it i would like to add that a side job is also you gain a lot of skills that you can reuse in your in your main career if you do some sales pages for your for your protein you could also um, use that in your if if you're in consultant or if you were in marketing uh, you can reuse these skills and um, they will be surprised uh, at work uh, what you could do and also um, the side job 
if you earn a lot of money uh, in you or good money as an employee, you can find purpose in, in your side job. You could, for example, also do something that is not making a lot of money, like being an NGO or working in, in a local community, helping old people, whatever. You could also find, yeah, just purpose and, and being more happy than you would be without your side job, even if it doesn't make a lot of money. And uh, of course, if you, if you're going to be fired and you have a side hustle that makes a little money, especially if you're in Ireland or in the UK, <laughs> you could at least make maybe a thousand euro or two thousand to, to cover your basic needs. Um, if you, if you lose your job. My thoughts on it are that with freelancing, you've got the option to scale that and maybe bring employees in. And like for me, my freelancing is actually getting in the way, right? I know this sounds silly and that's, that's why I cut down to part-time because I started all these other projects that for me were far more interesting and far more scalable. Uh, the problem with freelancing is you're ultimately, still, you're ultimately still selling your time. So for me, it was around looking, looking at ways around that. And look, not everybody has 3,000 euros a month to invest, right? A lot of people don't have anything to invest. But most people have some time to start a scalable business that could potentially bring them in extra money to actually start working on that portfolio. That, that's the holy grail, I would say. If you, if you can move from your freelance or from your side hustle to a scalable business, I think everybody wants that. And that's, I think that's um, what everybody should want, <laughs> or at least what I, I, I prefer, because that's really cool. That's what I want. Nice one. Well, guys, I think that would be a nice way of finishing out the episode in terms of FI as a freelancer versus as an employee and our personal situations combined with um, what is the best way. I think we can truly all answer there is no best way. Depends on the person. And I hope as a listener, some people can take um, anything of like this knowledge, these insights and apply them to their own life. Uh, if it helped, let us know um, in the Facebook group, guys. And um, yep, enjoy your evening. Guys, thank you for joining me. Thanks for joining. Thanks, guys. Hey, Matthias, do you think there are not enough financial independence Facebook groups yet? Yes, there's definitely a shortage in financial independence Facebook groups. That's why we want to create another one. And the real reason is that we want to get some feedback on our episodes to have a conversation with our listeners, um, to follow on the topics. And you might also have some questions around our content. Gotcha. And also, we've been talking with more of you guys at meetups, on Reddit, in Facebook groups, the Five Europe retreat, obviously, we organized. And this is, in the end, the main reason why we started the whole podcast project to talk to guys like you, uh, learn more from you, case studies, answer questions, and like hopefully all grow and learn from that together in the end and become stronger, smarter, and hopefully also richer people. So, you know, Matthias, say I'm interested in this. Where do I find this Facebook group? Yeah, just go to your Facebook app and type in FI Europe Podcast or just click in our show notes. There's a link for the Facebook group or go to our website. There's also a link. So yeah, just type in FI Europe Podcast. See you in the group. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope you learned something new and enjoyed the show. You can support us by doing this. Subscribing to your favorite podcast program and leaving us a review. Following us on Instagram and Twitter at Financial Independence Europe. Sending us an email with questions and feedback. We would love to hear from you. All the mentioned articles, books and cool resources can be found in the show notes at financial-independence.eu. Thank you for listening and see you next time.